Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. How are you feeling? How are you doing? If you're, a, if you're a guest this morning, it's your first time, and you're saying, hey, Derek looks a lot different in person than he does online and on the website. My name's EJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, while they're traveling, I'm filling in. And so normally I have a guitar in front of me, so without it, I am extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm with friends this morning. Amen. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this series that we've been walking through, Simple Church because uh, we make things so complicated, don't we? Like, we make things so hard on ourselves, and being the church is very, very simple. And just to kind of recap what we've been talking about, just in case you missed a week, we, we spend time with God, right? We spend time in the Word, uh, because when we know more about Him, we know more about ourselves. Spending time with others, we, we spend time with our community because we grow better together in a Christ-centered community, and we share our stories, what Derek talked about last week. We share our story, and I don't know if you've seen on Facebook just people sharing their stories, just powerful powerful ways that God has redeemed, powerful ways that God has brought people out of darkness. I am so glad we serve a God who writes a story. Amen? Amen. So it's simple. It's really simple. When they asked Jesus, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus responded very simply. He said, love God and love people. Love your neighbor. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of John uh, chapter 13. Um, if, you, if you have an iPhone, you can open up the Version app. You can find it right there. If you, if you have a, a real Bible, an analog Bible made on a printing press, it's a little more than halfway. It's the fourth book in, in the uh, New Testament. It's, it's called one of the Gospels and is written by one of these hand-picked guys that Jesus made um, a part of his inner circle. And so this is a first-hand account so we can trust what it says. Amen. So just while you're turning there, just like a little, little background of what's going on in this narrative. Uh, Jesus has just raised a man back to life, a man named Lazarus. He was dead. He was in the tomb. He was already wrapped in his grave clothes. And Jesus called him out and a dead man came back to life. A multitude of people saw this. They were amazed, obviously, as you can imagine. They started following him. And so now Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which is this feast of when uh, God brought the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, right? If you are of a certain generation, this is uh, Easter Sunday afternoon, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. Uh, If you're younger, that's what you fell asleep to on Easter Sunday. You might know it better as Prince of Egypt or, you know, what they would show in biology when you had a substitute. And so that's that story. That's what they're going to celebrate. So Jesus rides into Jerusalem, not on a horse, not in a chariot like the Messiah they were expecting to, but he rides in on a donkey, and they're waving the palms, Hosanna, Hosanna. This is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Are you with me? You got the, the kind of gist of what's going on? This was uh, at the Last Supper, so we just celebrated communion. This is at that moment. That's what we're reading right now. You with me? You there? Let's, uh, let's, let's jump in. So Jesus is sitting around this table, this Last Supper, and knowing that he is about to follow through with what God's called him to from the very beginning. He's about to lay his life down so that we might be reconciled to God. And so what does someone who is on their last moments do? 
Maybe take a moment and just think about what would you do if you knew these were the last hours of your life? Who are you spending that time with? What are you talking about? What are you sharing with maybe your family or your friends? The odds are you're around the most important people in your life, yeah? You're sharing the most important things that you know, those things that you value most highly, and you're telling them, hey, I need you to worry about this. My grandfather passed away when I was nine years old, and I loved him so dearly. And I can remember, I don't remember very much about him. I was so young, but I do remember this one thing. He would always tell me, mijo, you need to love your sister. You need to love your sister. Because we were, we were four years apart. We were always fighting. That's what siblings do. But I always remember that. What would you share with that person? That's what's going on here. Jesus is sharing the most important thing to him. And so this is our big idea for the weekend. Let me just give us a, a little bit of context. If you are not serving, you are not following. If you're not serving, you're not following. And I'm not talking, this isn't salvific. This isn't about your salvation. This isn't if you're going to heaven or not. Only the blood of Christ can do that. That communion we just celebrated, that's the only thing that can save us. But if we are not serving, if you are not laying your life down, if you're not stepping out, if you are not washing the feet of your neighbor and your brother or your sister in Christ, then you are not fully emulating the life that Christ set out for us to follow. Let's read John chapter 13, verse number one. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Isn't that a good sentence? He loved them to the end. Verse two, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them. Uh, and he poured water into a basin, I'm oh, sorry, uh, with them the towel and was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what am I what am, I, what am I, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we are thankful for this word that we can trust. God, we thank you for this story. God, that is historical in nature. 
God, this illustration that you put as an example for us to follow. God, would you open our hearts? God, would you open our minds? God, to the transformation of your spirit. God, I pray that for me, that I would not walk out of this room the same. God, that I would be changed. God, that I would be challenged by what you set before us. God, we love you and we bless you. And everybody said together, amen, amen. That's a hard thing to hear, yeah? If you're not following And it's especially hard in this time where everything is just accelerated. Your time is so limited. Uh, something we've learned about being up here in the Quad Cities, your kids have us so busy. There's sports, and then there's practice, and there's show choir, and then they, they practice till 9 p.m. This is bananas. Why are we so busy all the time? But this is what, this is, what is in front of us. He calls us to to serve. And so I want to unpack that in three, three really simple ways. But before we do that, just to unpack what washing feet meant, like what that even is. Washing feet was something for the lowest of the low servants. Oftentimes a slave would perform this task. Oftentimes a woman slave would perform this task because this was one of the worst things that you had to do. Because as you can imagine, in this time of age, in this region of the world, people would walk around barefoot. They would walk around in sandals. And what would happen is they would gather up all that dust, all that dirt, all that animal filth. Everything was on your feet. And so you'd walk into a home and there would be someone there to wash your feet for you. So this task was done by someone who was a servant. It was also done as a, as, a, as a positional thing. As you can imagine, if somebody was washing my shoes now, they would be low and I would be high. I'm literally hovering over someone. It was a positional thing. And this is what our Savior chose to use as an example of service. And not only as an example, of, but when he chose with Jesus' final moments, he uses them to set an example of servanthood. So here's our first thought this morning. Jesus calls us to serve even then. Even then. Jesus could have done this at any other time in his ministry. This could have been the very first thing, which in my mind, that makes sense. To do it the very first thing. Because listen, I'm going to need you to be servants. And so that's going to be the first thing. But no, Jesus chose to do this at the very end. Humble yourself. Be low. We hear this echoed in so many of Jesus' teachings. If you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want to be the greatest, you must be the least of these. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must serve. There's never an, uh, an, a most opportune time to serve, yeah? There's never a time where you're like, hey, I have a couple hours today. Let me go serve somebody. That never happens because our schedules are full, full. And I don't know about you, but I'll make a plan to do something or meet somebody and regret it, the day comes. Are, is anyone with me? Are you, do you feel that way too? I'm like, why did I say yes to that? I could be doing a, a bunch of other things. But there's never a great time. And in this story, this is right when Jesus knew his hour had come. He knew Jesus, Judas was about to betray him. He knew the cross was in sight. And he pauses this supper. They had just rode into the city on a donkey, people celebrating him, people shouting, waving palm trees. He just raised a man to life. I can imagine that the disciples are on cloud nine at this point. I can imagine that everybody's high-fiving each other. They're relaxing around the table. It's like a Christmas Eve. All the work is done. Now we get to just feast and eat and be together. All the work is done. But Jesus presses pause on the party, and he chooses to do this example 
of service. Jesus calls us to serve even then. We just moved into our home a few weeks ago, and um, we had set our trash out the first trash day. And where we, on the west side of San Antonio, if your trash makes it into a bag, you are a model citizen. Okay, that's, a, that's, that's some important context to know. So we have, we have family staying with us. They're hanging with us. So we have three extra people. We have a big family. We have four kids. And then one of those is 20 months. And so she breaks everything. So we always have trash. So our trash bin is full. And they gave us a really small one to start with. I don't know why they, they're just trying to upcharge you. I get it. It's whatever city. And so we put our trash out by the street, and then it doesn't all fit, obviously, so we stack it up, and it's nice, and it's tied up, and we even sprang for the extra, like the raccoon-proof bags that smell like medicine, like smells like mint. We even bought those bags, so they're out there. And so the next day, our neighbor, he comes over, and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, if you put your bags on the side of the bin, they're not going to pick up your trash. They're going to put a little note on it, and they're not even going to take it. And I'm like, what in the world? So that's why I'm preaching this message on service, so that the city of Davenport can take note. Bro, take my trash. It's out there. What do you want me? What do you want from me? But he said, what I did was I took your bags that you had, and I just, just put them in the neighbor's bins for you. And I was like, okay. Okay, Mike, I see you, man. Mike didn't have to do that for me. He didn't even know me. But instantly, I felt encouraged. Instantly, I felt like I was a part of this neighborhood. Instantly, I felt like there was somebody looking out for me just because he chose to serve even then at the pre-dawn hours while everyone was still sleeping. This is what we're called to do, to serve even then, even when the time doesn't seem right, even when you're in a hurry, even before you've had your coffee, even when you're rushing to get home, even when you have this and that to do and this and that to do. And this kid, Jesus calls us to serve even then. Are you with me today? My second thought this morning that Jesus calls us to serve even them. Even them. Judas was sitting at this table. And if you don't know the story of the gospel, Judas, again, was one of these 12 men that Jesus picked, handpicked, called out, said, stop what you're doing. I want you to follow me. And Judas said, yes. And Judas, he was the CFO of the ministry. He was the treasurer. So he would take in all the monies. Whenever people would donate, whenever they would get money, they would bring it in, and Judas would handle all of that. In a chapter earlier, John tells us that Judas would start taking a little bit off the top for himself. This is who Judas was. And in just a few hours, Judas would sell Jesus to the Roman government for 30 pieces of silver. So I Googled that. How much is 30 pieces of silver? It's $200. It was uh, on Friday. I don't know what the exchange rate is right now, but it's $197. $197. That's not even enough to buy a John Deere push mower. I looked it up. It's not. Not even used. <laughs> Judas spent three years with Jesus. They traveled together. They walked together. They laughed together. They ate together. Judas witnessed miracles happen. He saw water turn into wine. He saw dead people come back to life. 
He saw lame people walk again. He saw blind people see again. Judas saw deaf people hear again. Judas saw sins forgiven. Judas saw all of it. And yet still, this was his heart. And Judas was still at the table. And here's the thing to remember. Jesus knew everything that was in Judas's heart. Ju- Jesus knew what was happening. Judas was following the money that he was benefiting from, and Jesus even knew what was about to happen. In verse 11, it says, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. The way that Jesus felt isn't recorded in any of the gospels about Judas. But I can imagine that as Jesus is going around and and he washes Peter's feet, and he washes John's feet, and he washes Andrew's feet, and he washes Bartholomew's feet. And he's like, oh, I forgot about you. Just kidding. Like, just kidding. If you know Bible, then that's a funny joke. If you don't, then that doesn't make any sense. And he gets to Judas, knowing his heart, knowing that he is not with him, and he still washes this man's feet. Jesus calls us to wash even them. Are you with me today? And I can imagine the heartbreak that Jesus felt. I can imagine the pangs inside of him as his friend who is about to betray him sits there and he washes his feet. I can imagine the tears and the water mixing together on Judas's feet. Jesus chose to serve even him. And Jesus calls us to serve even them. Maybe this story of betrayal resonates with you today. Maybe you're watching online and this just feels like, I know what that, I know what that feels like. Maybe there's a promise in your marriage that was broken. Maybe there's a friend who stabbed you in the back and deserted you. Maybe there's a family that's disowned you. Jesus knows how you feel today. And Jesus calls us to serve. He knows. He walked it. He experienced it. One thing I think I've learned as I've gotten older is I don't have many enemies. The people that I see as opponents really just have a different opinion, right? They're not an enemy. They just think the music's too loud, right? (laughs) They're not an enemy. They just have a different uh, fiscal economic, you know, they're they're just different. They look at it different. Their politic is different. My father uh, was in the first Gulf War. He served in, um, in Bahrain, just north of the Persian Gulf in 1990, 1991. I was seven years old. I was in first grade. And we were living in Germany at the time. So it was me and my mom and then my sister. And then my dad goes off to the first Gulf War. And I remember seeing, you know, the images on TV like a lot of us did of what was going on over there, but it felt so far away. It felt so distant. And I was like, okay, I talked to my dad every once in a while. It's all good. Not even, you know, seven years old. I'm not thinking about a lot of those things. And when my dad got home, he told us this story about how they were, uh, they were on their base. And what they did is they uh, assembled all of the missiles and the bombs, and then they, they put them on the planes. That was his job. That's what his squadron did. And so they were woke in the middle of the night, 
with an air raid. There were Scud missiles incoming directly to their base. And so everyone's scrambling. The sirens are going. Everyone's running around. They're, they have a protocol they're following. They've drilled for this. They've, they've done the exercises. They know what to do, putting on their gas masks. And then they watch as the Patriot missiles shoot up and intercept every single one of those missiles. And everything's good. And he tells us that story. And I had this realization at seven years old that there was somebody out there trying to kill my dad. Isn't that a weird thought? Many of you have sons and nephews and nieces and daughters and, and they serve in the military. And I'm sure you have these same, these same feelings. There's somebody out there trying to harm your children, your family, your brother, your father. That's a weird thought to have. That's the very first instance that I can remember where that's a real enemy. But somehow this gospel that we read about today calls us to serve even those people, even them, even them that mean harm to me. So oftentimes when we see our enemies and we talk about, um, you know, those against us, we don't mean a real enemy. We just think about someone with a different opinion. But even when you do have a real enemy who is trying to do harm to you, is, who is affecting your livelihood, the gospel calls us to serve even them. What a hard truth to follow today. Are you with me today? My last thought for this morning is that Jesus calls us to serve even that way. Jesus calls us to serve then. Jesus calls us to serve them. And Jesus calls us to serve even that way. There's a number of ways that Jesus could have made this illustration. He could have told Peter, hey, I want you to do this to the other disciples. Here you go. But no, Jesus chose to serve them in that way where he was the one who took off his outer, his outer garments. That Jesus, the Messiah, is the one who kneeled down and filled the water and washed his disciples' feet. He chose to do it that way. Verse 3 tells us, Jesus, read it with me, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and they had come from God and was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus takes on this posture. And I think this is really important for us to catch today. It's not the act of service that Jesus is calling us to, but his posture. It's the posture of Christ in this moment that Jesus chose to serve them even in that way. Because what we're talking about is not random acts of kindness, you know, where we pay for the Starbucks order behind us or that we, we randomly do nice things. Like those are all good and well and we should when we can. But what Jesus is showing us is a posture to take. Amen? Because if somebody walked into that room at that moment, they don't see the Lamb of God they don't see the Messiah. They don't see the word that became flesh and was dwelling among us. They don't see the word that was there in the beginning like we just sang a moment ago. What they see is a servant. That's important for us to know. This isn't a posture. This isn't a sacrament where you go home and you wash your family's feet. But how can you serve your wife today? How can you serve your husband today? How can you serve your kids today? How can you serve your neighbor today? How can you serve our church today? 
A lot of times it's, it's a fear that stops us from serving in that way. We're scared of what other people are going to think or what they're going to say. We're afraid that we are going to be rejected. Like, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus was. Simon said, no, don't do that. I would be with him because feet are disgusting. Whenever, like a funny story, like whenever people preach uh, this message, like we've been in, in, um, in churches where this is like a passage the pastor will preach from. And, and sometimes what happens is the pastor will invite like, a, like somebody like, hey, come up here and I'm gonna wash your feet in front of the whole church. And I'm always like, please do not call me because I will not go up there. You're gonna wash my feet with my sneakers on because we're not, we're not gonna do that. Jesus is talking about a posture. In John chapter 12, just, just a chapter earlier, it tells the story of Mary, who is Lazarus' brother, the man who was raised back to life. And she comes in and she pours out perfume on Jesus' feet. And she washes his feet with her hair. And Judas, of course, is like, hey, that's expensive perfume, which came out to like $45,000 worth of perfume in our money today. It's a very expensive act. And Jesus says, stop, Judas, this, let her be. This is, she's, this is an act of worship that she's doing. Luke tells us that he says, whoever loves much has been forgiven much, and whoever loves little has been forgiven little. He's setting an example of this posture that we are to follow today. Are you with me? If you're forgiven much, you love much. And so when fear stops us from doing something, I shouldn't touch their garbage. I shouldn't do that. I, I, who am I to put it in everyone else's bins? I shouldn't serve them. They think the election was stolen. They don't deserve for me to serve them. I don't want to serve them. They think we should just have open borders. I don't want to serve them. They think the student debt relief is a scam. Uh, whoever, why are we to think that? Surely you don't mean to serve in that way. But we're called to serve in that way. And sometimes it looks funny. Have you ever had just that thought in the back of your head, like, you should go and do this real quick. You should go and talk to that person. It's a stranger. Have you felt like that before? I believe that's the Holy Spirit prompting us. I used to serve with a pastor in Dallas. And his name was Mike Perrin. And he was the most lovely man I've ever known in my life, aside from Derek Armstrong, if he's watching. <laughs> And you might, know, you might know Pastor Mike if you remember back in the 90s, they had the Abs of Steel videos. You remember those? You probably find him at Goodwill now, but that was him. He was the Abs of Steel guy. And when you gave him a hug, he was solid. Like, he definitely was made of steel. He had a, he had a show on ESPN early morning. I don't know if you remember, like, the aerobics they'd have on the beach. Like, that was my guy. That was my pastor. I served him. I loved him a lot. He's, he's still a good friend of mine. He has an awesome story of reconciliation, how God's brought him through some things. But we would have uh, meetings every week at a coffee shop there in Dallas. And so we'd walk and we'd talk about things, you know, hey, things we want to start doing at the church, things that way, ways that I could grow, ways that I could be improving my job. He would disciple me. He would encourage me. He would say, EJ, you need to start doing this. Why aren't you doing this? You should do this. Just a fantastic time. Every week we'd meet. And so we'd be there and we'd be having coffee and every once in a while he would get a look in his eyes that he was listening to me, but he wasn't listening to me. Have you ever had that, right? It's like when a teenager, you talk to a teenager now, it's like, yeah, you're, you're looking at me, but you're not here. And you say, hold on, hold on, EJ. And he would, oftentimes that meant like something was about to go down. Something was about to happen. And so I remember this one time he did, I said, hold on, EJ. 
and he turned to a man that was standing there in line to order his coffee. And he said, excuse me, but I just wanted to know, I just wanted you to know that God hears you praying at night and God hears you cry over your son and God is with you. That's all he said. And you could see the tears well up in this man's eyes and they began to have a conversation that went on. But what a scary thing to do, yeah? How much rejection could happen in that moment? Like, I don't even have a son. Like, anything could have happened. But Pastor Mike chose to serve in that way. And sometimes it looks like that for us, that we would choose to serve even that way, that maybe seems a little weird, that seems a little frightening, that seems a little risky of rejection or failure. But if you look at the posture that our Savior took, he subjected himself to the exact same thing. And he washed his disciples' feet. Are you with me today? So what does this mean for us? What do we do with that? Verse 14, if you look in your Bible, it says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus had a brother named James and he also wrote a book in the New Testament that echoes something very similar. Don't be just hearers of the word, but do it. So what do we do with this today? We can easily walk out of this room exactly the same way, doing exactly the same thing, or we can press pause in our life and find, how can I serve? Who around me can I serve today? Who this week can I reach out to? Who is the spirit drawing me to and speaking to me to? Reach out to them, go have a cup of coffee with them, go encourage them, send them a text message, shoot them an email, call them on the phone. Maybe it's someone that had a, a rift in your relationship in the past and you need to be the one to go and reconcile that because Jesus calls us to serve even them. Maybe you have to press pause on a meeting this week and go have lunch with your kid because they are far from God. Jesus calls us to serve even that way. Maybe we need to get up early this week, and this is for me, get up early and spend time with, with the people in your life because God calls us to serve even them. And even then, if you're not serving, we're not following. And I know that's a hard thing to hear. If we're not serving, we're not following. But if we aren't, it's an incomplete emulation of our Christ, of our Savior. So we have opportunities, obviously, every week here at BCC. And in fact, there's a huge way that you can serve now in our setup team. You can come in, you can help uh, Lori, who does such a great job, set up the lobby, get things ready for people when they come in, set up chairs. And you probably have never thought about it, but the chair that you're sitting in right now, it was set there by someone who cared enough about you to hear the gospel. And they made the row straight and they linked them all together. And they made sure that they were clean because we were thinking of you. Maybe you could do the same for someone next weekend. 
they're going to put a slide on the screen. There's going to be a QR code. And maybe that's challenging this week. And maybe you could do that. Maybe you say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not opposed to getting sweaty at 8 a.m. I could do that. I can come in. That's easy. I can come in. I could set up some chairs. I can make some coffee. I would love to do that. Maybe that's you. Join us. Join us. If you're not following, you're not serving. If you're not serving, you're not following. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your savior. Maybe this idea of a, of a, of a teacher and a Lord who would kneel down and wash the feet of those who were serving him is foreign to you. Can I tell you that the spirit is calling you today watching online, this God that we serve is calling you to sit at the table. And here's what I know. Here's what I know 100%. That around that table, there were fishermen and there were tax collectors. There were political zealots. There were thieves that we wrote about. And Jesus washed their feet. So no matter where you find yourself today, it doesn't matter how far you feel like you are, Jesus is calling you to his table because he loves you and he wants to wash your feet today. If you would pray with me, Father, we love you. God, I pray for my brother and my sister here. God, that we would be complete followers of you. God, that we would be believers that long to be like our Savior. That we would love the world like you love the world. God, that we would embrace our neighbor the way that you embraced your neighbors. God, that we would wash our neighbor's feet the way that you washed us. God, we're thankful for your word today that it never comes back void. God, the promises that we can cling to in this. God, these pictures of forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation that are found in it. God, we love you. If you're here today and you're watching online and that resonated with you and you wanna know more about how can I become a follower of Christ? How can I sit at that table as the prayer team comes forward? If that's you, or you're here and you're like, you know what I need to do? I need to, I need to put my life back in order. I need to rededicate my commitment to this Christ that I serve. If that's you, will you pray this prayer with me? Father, I love you and I trust you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you died a sinless, from a sinless life taking on my sin on your shoulders, that you laid in a, in a borrowed tomb and that you were raised back to life. God, I place my faith in that. God, would you help me to believe in my doubt? I wanna trust you with my life. I wanna trust you with my soul. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you prayed that in your heart today, sorry, Evan. If you prayed that online today, 
If you want to know more about how you can be a follower of Jesus, how you can sit at this table, our prayer team is up here. They would love to pray with you. There's a card that you can scan that we would love to follow up with you. We're not going to take your information. We don't want to email you. We don't want to do anything else except just connect you, put a Bible in your hands, and help, help you find some next steps. There's a link you can click on uh, in the chat if that's you at home. But as you make that decision, we'll be praying with you. We want to follow up with you. God bless you, church. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.